When someone mentions the 1920s, what is the first thing you think of? The first thing I think of is the book and movie, The Great Gatsby. Now, this novel is about a group of people, especially a man named Gatsby, who have a lot of money due to investing in stocks. Now, The Great Gatsby is also about a love affair gone wrong, but that isn't the main point we're looking at today. What people don't think about is what happens at the end of the 1920s. I'm Lance Bogner, and this is the stock market crash of 1929. But in order for us to know exactly what was the cause and solution to the stock market crash, we have to go back to the early 1920s. Now, the early 1920s was full of advancements in the economy and technology. Brokerage houses, investment trusts, and margin accounts were becoming big ways to invest. In fact, buying on margin allowed everyone to invest. Buying on margin allowed people to borrow money from brokers to buy stocks and only required that they put down 10%. Now, everyone was investing stocks into all of the new technology, such as automobiles, telephones, and other household appliances. President Herbert Hoover also helped promote the idea of investing in stocks with his slogan for the Hoover Bowl market. This was basically a promise to Americans that the stock market would only go up and everyone would profit from it. And for the most part, he was right. But this didn't fool everyone. The Federal Reserve, the central banking system for the U.S., didn't entirely agree with the stock market speculation. In fact, in the late 20s, the Federal Reserve Board had made the statement that the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 does not contemplate the use of resources of the Federal Reserve Banks for the creation or extension of speculative credit. In order to try and slow down credit, the Federal Reserve Board asked any reserve bank to deny requests for credit from member banks that loan funds to stock speculators. They also warned the public of the dangers of speculation, but a man by the name of George Harrison had a different approach to this issue. He wished to increase the discount lending rate. Increasing the discount lending rate would directly increase the rate that banks paid to borrow funds from the Federal Reserve and indirectly raise rates paid by all borrowers, including firms and consumers. The board didn't agree with Harrison's approach and denied several of his requests. That is, until August of 1929. This discount lending rate increase sadly did not stop the financial boom. But during this time, there were other issues occurring. While the banks were arguing on how to try and slow down investing and funding, problems were taking place within the industries themselves. During August of 1929, the stock market had reached its peak at an all-time high of 381 points. There was no sign of a collapse anytime soon. By late September and early October, production had declined tremendously and unemployment was rising. This overproduction had been caused by a lack of distribution. Factories were making more products than the amount being sold. This began to lead to an overabundance of stock and caused stock prices to decrease under their real value. By October 18, 1929, panic had begun to set in, but nobody was ready for what was to come.
On October 24, 1929, the stock market had collapsed. This caused investors to trade in 12,894,650 shares. This downfall gave this day in history the name Black Thursday. Investment companies and banks tried to stabilize the stock market by buying great amounts of stock but failed in the end. But this was only the first of two major downfalls of the stock market crash. On October 29, 1929, history had reached an all-time record of 16,410,030 shares traded. This was the complete collapse of stock prices and was known as Black Tuesday. This led to a national panic. As depositors withdrew cash, bank purchased loans, and leaving many banks temporarily short of reserves. In order to relieve the strain, the New York Fed sprang into action. It purchased government securities on the open market, expedited lending through its discount window, and lowered the discount rate. It assured commercial banks that it would supply the reserves they needed. These actions increased total reserves in the banking system, relaxed the reserve constraint faced by banks in New York City, and enabled financial institutions to remain open for business and satisfy their customers' demands during the crisis. The actions also kept short-term interest rates from rising to disruptive levels, which frequently occurred during financial crisis. Although the board was not happy about New York's Federal Reserve's actions, it actually ended up helping contain the crisis in the short run. But it wasn't enough. Over a matter of a few days, millions of Americans had lost their businesses and life savings. The stock market crash resulted in the loss of billions of dollars. Thousands of investors were being wiped out and stock tickers running hours behind because the machinery could not handle tremendous volume of trading. The stock market crash wasn't only a major cause of the Great Depression alongside the Dust Bowl and bank failures, but it was the beginning of it as well. This was also not only a national crisis, but a worldwide crisis as well. The stock market crash was truly a terrifying time for many. Overall, the stock market crash had made a major impact on the nation and the world. But thanks to President Franklin D. Roosevelt, the stock market crash only lasted approximately 10 years. Roosevelt was elected along with his New Deal, his second New Deal in particular. This second New Deal consisted of union protection programs, the Social Security Act, and programs to aid tenant farmers and migrant workers. If you could recall, we use many of these in society today. Now, the economy never fully returned until 1939. This was during the time of World War II, which revitalized American industry. In conclusion, without Franklin D. Roosevelt and his New Deal, who knows where our economy would be today. All I can say is that I'm glad that our economy is as strong as it is now. Without the stock market crash though, it might not be. Now we have the Social Security Act and union protection programs to protect us. Not only have investors learned from their mistakes, but the Federal Reserve has also learned that the central banks, much like the Federal Reserve, 
should be careful when taking action in response to equity markets, especially when a stock market crash occurs. They have learned to follow that the Federal Reserve Bank in New of New York had done in the fall of 1929. But in conclusion, I think it's safe to say that the stock market crash of 1929 was caused by overconfident investors and the economy was saved by Franklin D. Roosevelt. Thanks again for listening to my podcast over the stock market crash of 1929. This is Lance Bogner signing out.